Sometimes it comes without any warning. I wake up and it's just there, like a dense fog that's descended on me during the night. One day I'm fine, and the next day I'm severely depressed. I feel like I'm hanging on the edge of a cliff. There doesn't seem to be any way of pulling myself back up to safety, and it gets harder and harder to hold on. I have impulses telling me to end it all. I have bipolar disorder. I've attempted suicide three times and have thought about it more times than I can count. I've been in and out of mental hospitals more than a dozen times. I've been homeless and have lived in shelters and on the streets. I've been arrested for vagrancy, have lost jobs, and have had two marriages fail, all because of my mental illness. I'm 45 years old, and as I speak, I'm doing pretty well. My wife and I have moved into a new apartment on Chicago's west side, and I'm starting to think about working again. Last winter, I was hit hard by another severe depression. It took many months to come out of it. The fact that I'm speaking to you at all is a victory of sorts. I'm going to tell you how I got to this point. The story begins about a year ago. Yeah, this is Friday the... I have no idea what the date is today. Um, no, today's Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. I guess I'm a little confused. I I haven't worked since Tuesday when this really kind of got started. Mostly I've just been laying around feeling completely awful. The depression has just taken over again, like it does. And they're just... They're just weird kind of thoughts that pop into my head. Well, I could do this, or, you know, I could um, drive the van into a, uh, you know, a railroad pylon at, you know, high speed, or that kind of thing. I'm going to um, have an ECT treatment tomorrow. And I'm glad I have something that, at least in the past, has worked and I hope will work this time because I was so suicidal that it was, I've got it, this is like the last thing I'm holding on to. The next morning, I wake up early and ride the L down to the University of Illinois at Chicago Hospital, where I check in to the outpatient surgery center. I gotta ask you, how tall are you? 6'3". 6'3". How much do you weigh? 305. 305. I've been through all this before, so I know the routine. I change into a hospital gown, and a nurse inserts an IV needle in the back of my hand. Ah. For me, it's probably the most painful part of the whole procedure. Mm-mm-mm. My psychiatrist, Dr. Jack Krasuski, who will be administering my ECT today, drops by the prep room to have me sign the consent form and see how I'm doing. His pattern is one of some people slowly kind of slide down like a, a, a gentle slope into a depression, but for Rob it's, it's almost more like a cliff, you know. He'll just kind of feel it coming on and within a day or two he can be severely depressed and, uh, you know, just be uh, overwhelmed with suicidal thoughts and impulses. Uh, you know, unable to kind of get his mind off of that, and he'd be a high suicide risk. And that could develop very quickly over a day or two. Ready? Yeah. Then I'm wheeled on a gurney into the ECT treatment room. The staff all know me by now. So how's the baby? Getting bigger. He's hardly a baby anymore. The room is unassuming, small and cramped, 
barely enough space for me and Dr. Krasuski and his team, a resident, a nurse, and two anesthesiologists who immediately start working on me. We attach electroencephalographic uh, leads to the person's head so that we are able to monitor the brain waves uh, before, during, and after the procedure. This all used to be a little scary, but after so many treatments, I'm pretty relaxed, although there are still some things I get nervous about. A couple of things, getting the mouthpiece incorrectly is really important. The mouthpiece prevents me from biting my tongue during the procedure. During an ECT treatment at another hospital years ago, the mouthpiece wasn't positioned correctly, and I ended up needing several stitches in my tongue. You got him there, Felix? Yeah. Got a good jaw thrust? I've also found that taking in a whole lot of oxygen just before the treatment prevents memory loss and post-treatment headaches. Okay, got him. Memory loss is one of the major side effects of ECT. Patients have lost as many as two years of their memory after receiving an ECT treatment. So when the oxygen mask is placed over my mouth, I begin to take a series of deep breaths. Hyperventilated pretty good there? I'm given a general anesthetic through my IV, followed by a muscle relaxant. Robert, this, is, this stings and you know that. Okay. So the point of these agents is to have them be asleep and then uh, the muscle relaxant prevents their body from moving because when a person has a seizure, um, those uh, discharges from the brain cause the body to convulse and move. And if that is not uh, control, the person could hurt themselves. Um, there's, there could be a lot of very strong movement and very strong muscle contractions. And before the use of these kind of agents, you know, like uh, compression fractures of the spine or even broken limbs were, I wouldn't say common, but you know, they, they did occur. You got 140 sucks that much? Yes. I'm completely okay. unconscious now as the drugs work through my body. A blood pressure cuff around my right ankle prevents the muscle relaxant from reaching my foot. This allows Dr. Krasuski to observe the muscle contractions in my foot to determine if the procedure is working. A few feet from my head, a device that looks like a home stereo system sits atop a red Craftsman tool cart. It's the ECT machine, or Thymatron box, said to be the Cadillac of electroshock devices. On the front panel are five knobs including one that controls the voltage, and a yellow button labeled treatment. Two cables come out of the back, attached to two paddles that look like they're from an old crank telephone handset. The resident smears globs of conducting jelly on the stainless steel cups on the end of each paddle, the electrodes, and places one paddle on each of my temples. Then Dr. Krasuski gives the okay, and the resident standing at his side presses the yellow treatment button. And there's a brief electrical discharge, which can last on average one or two seconds. The total amount of current uh, that is given is, is usually less than an one amp, uh, 0.8 of an amp. I'm not aware of anything at this point, but I'm told that when the electricity passes through my head, my body tenses and my face grimaces. My right foot, the one with the blood pressure cuff, twitches, which means the electrical charge has caused a seizure. And the whole point of the procedure is to induce a, uh, a seizure that lasts between 20 and 40 seconds. And we like to have at least about a 30 second EEG seizure. Still seizing? Yeah. This seizure lasts 34 seconds. No one's certain why inducing a seizure with an electrical charge makes severely depressed people like me feel better. There are plenty of theories. 
One is that a seizure changes the level of chemicals in the brain. Another is that it causes a shift in the body's hormonal system. Some have compared ECT to a reset button on a computer, or an even cruder analogy, that it's like banging the side of a fuzzy TV set to clear the picture. After that, we're pretty much uh, finished with the procedure, and then we give the person um, a few minutes. Uh, it usually takes a few minutes for them to uh, get over the muscle relaxant so that they can start breathing on their own and also to start waking up from the anesthetic. And usually that does occur within, uh, certainly within five to 10 minutes after the ECT stimulus is given. Robert, we're all done, okay? You waking up? <laughs> the coughing is actually a good sign because it means the anesthesia and muscle relaxant are wearing off and I'm beginning to breathe on my own again. The whole procedure takes about 20 minutes. Once it's over, I'm wheeled into the recovery room where I sleep for about an hour. Robert? Yeah. Time to go home. Oh, okay. I wake up feeling groggy, but a whole lot better than when I checked in. You slept pretty good. Mm -hmm. Historically for Rob, you know, it does tend to work and the single treatment can really make him feel better quite quickly. So our plan is just to do another one next week to kind of consolidate any gains that, you know, we expect him to have. Just ready to go home and go to sleep. I'm just glad I have something like this that makes me feel better. That weekend, I take it easy. The following Monday, three days after my ECT, I feel good enough to go into work. I'm a licensed clinical counselor at a mental health agency on Chicago's South Side, but I'm at work for just an hour or so before I'm sent home and told to set up an appointment with my boss. I suspect I'm about to be let go. Two days later, my suspicions are confirmed. On Wednesday, I'm fired. My boss says I've fallen too far behind in my paperwork. Two days after that, I show up at the hospital for my next ECT treatment. Phyllis, do you recovery room, please? Phyllis, do you recovery room? Uh, let's see, today is Friday. The I have no idea. Let's see, Wednesday was... So today's got to be the 16th. And I'm feeling more than a bit rough. I've never been dismissed from a job before, so that was kind of a real negative experience. It kind of brought me down. I was starting to do better. You know, it's a difficult thing to accept if I wasn't depressed. Mr. Magruder, I'm just gonna clean up your forehead. The ECT team gets me ready, and I do my part and hyperventilate using the oxygen mask. Deep breath. After getting the anesthesia and muscle relaxant, I drift off to sleep. Okay, let's put this pipe block in and go ahead. And now we're applying the treatment. Okay, you're all done. This time, the seizure causes my arms to fly straight up, like a football referee signaling a touchdown. I don't feel anything, but when I come to, I'm a little more disoriented than usual. Yeah, something's not right. I don't know if it's not ready or what the deal is. I feel a little confused, so I'm not sure. Typically, I feel better after an ECT treatment, but this time I continue to feel confused and still very depressed. This lasts for several days. I'm exhausted all the time and have no concentration. All I can do is just lie around. We live at my wife's grandmother's apartment, which is a mess, and I have no energy to help clean things up. 
The Department of Children and Family Services, DCFS, is concerned about our living situation and is even threatening to take our kids away unless things improve. My wife Angela and I have a 15-month-old baby and Angela has four other kids. I'm completely overwhelmed and go to see Dr. Krasuski. You, you look like you're, you're looking down. What's been going on? Yeah, ever since Friday I've not been feeling well. It started from when I woke up from the last treatment. I just, I had a headache. I didn't feel right. I, I don't know if it's issues particular to the treatment itself or if it's just, you know, the stress of everything that I'm coping with. Dr. Krasuski tells me that everything seemed to go okay with the latest ECT. The seizure was the right length, and the oxygen level indicated that I was hyperventilated, which normally prevents confusion and headaches. We talk for a while and agree to continue my weekly ECTs. You're going to get better, Rob. This was just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. It overwhelmed your emotional resources. But I'm confident, you know, you'll be ready to go back to work and you're, you're, you're going to enjoy it and you're going to feel ready and you're going to be raring to go. But you're right to give yourself some time right now. All right? All right, good to see you and I'll see you in three days. Okay. All right. Dr. Krasuski has helped me through a lot of ups and downs. He's 40 years old and has been administering ECT regularly for the past four years. He became a believer after his first two ECT patients came out of severe long-term depressions. The response rate is really, you know, the highest out of any treatment we have in psychiatry. For people who have a severe form of depression, a 60 or 70 percent will respond to medication treatment. That still leaves a huge percentage and a huge total number of people who will not respond. And out of those people, uh, 50 percent, 50 percent of patients who failed multiple medication trials will still have a substantial response from the ECT. Dr. Krasuski has always been clear about the possible side effects, the memory loss, the confusion, even a real though very slight risk of death. He's also clear about the risks of doing nothing for his patients. You know, I can sit there with them and, and suffer along with them and feel terrible that there's no way I can help them or I can go ahead and accept the risks for myself and, you know, have them accept the risks for themselves uh, that is entailed with the treatment for the possibility of getting better. And so many of them do get better and so many get better, you know, so fully that I think it would just be you know, almost criminal if, if this procedure was not made available. The average course of treatment in the United States is 11 ECTs. After six treatments, I remain stuck in sort of a fog. Not severely depressed, but not ready to go back to work or do much of anything. So Dr. Krasuski recommends a more intensive treatment course, three ECTs a week for the next two weeks. The goal is to try to break through the fog. Okay, good, I'm gonna press and hold. Okay. Really went great. No complications and we'll see, you know, I guess the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating and the proof of the ECT is in how, in how Rob will feel. The intensive ECTs make me a little more tired and forgetful. I'm losing my keys and having trouble concentrating, but the depression does start to lift. I think I've kind of turned the corner this week, and I'm finally, you know, starting to see a little bit of head above water. My activity level is still a little on the low side, but 
at least I'm starting to get feel motivated to do more. For the next two months, I have ECTs once or twice a week with an occasional break. I continue to improve. I'm able to concentrate for longer periods of time. I can read a book, for example. Still, I'm not jumping back into things too quickly. I'm afraid if I try to do too much now, I'll take another downturn. Life with all its responsibilities doesn't stop, though. My monthly Social Security disability check doesn't stretch very far, so I'm forced to apply for public aid. That sends me into a tailspin, and for a couple of days the suicidal thoughts return. Meanwhile, the bills keep piling up, and our van is about to be repossessed. I think it's inaccurate to think that when someone is depressed and then recovers that all of a sudden everything kind of falls into place. It often doesn't. A person's life has just been very disrupted and, uh, you know, just kind of, the kind of daily routines of life, the, the, the kind of uh, drive, motivation, energy doesn't necessarily like just come flooding back in the absence of the symptoms. It, it takes often like specific focus intervention to, to kind of get, help a person get back in the swing of things. So I think that's kind of the, the, the point we're at right now. In May, I return to what's called maintenance ECT, weekly or biweekly treatments. The goal is to manage the stress and to prevent the mood swings and the psychotic and suicidal thoughts from returning. They don't, and I continue to feel better, but just when I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, I take another hit. So Rob, how are you doing? Oh, it's been quite a two weeks. Mm -hmm. Last Tuesday, DCFS took our kids, all of them. Mm -hmm. That's a terrible blow. How are you and Angela Copeland? We're holding up. As we feared, the Department of Children and Family Services ruled we haven't done enough to clean up the apartment and that we are unfit parents. Our baby, who's now 17 months, and Angela's four other kids have been placed in foster care. What's the, what's the kind of future hold for you, Angela, and the kids? Well, Angela and I have got to get into a new apartment because the current apartment is just not acceptable. Hmm. My anxiety level is very high, and I'm having trouble sleeping. After three years on the wagon, I've even thought about drinking again. This is a high-risk time for you for relapse on alcohol mm -hmm. and relapse into depression. You know, when the anxiety level is that high, um, okay. I, I think this is all kind of a sign that uh, things aren't going in the right direction. Dr. Krasuski recommends returning to a more active course of ECT treatment twice a week for at least a couple weeks. That's fine with me, but the DCFS caseworker seems to have a different idea. Her first comments to me when she came over to introduce herself to me were to say that I see you're getting ECT and you may want to consider not doing that anymore. And she was very negative about ECT. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know to what extent she would hold up reintegration of the family because of those beliefs. But it was the first thing out of her mouth when she introduced herself to me. So it must be something she's significantly concerned with. You know, it's really not her place to be suggesting to my patient what the right treatment ought to be. It's, it's really, um, I just think, inappropriate for her to be saying that, you know. Uh, I think you and I are both clear that your your function doesn't decrease when you get ECT. It decreases when you're depressed, when you're anxious, and you don't get it, right? As a person with chronic mental illness, I'm used to being discriminated against. 
Having ECT just adds to that stigma. I've lost friends, jobs, and now I've been labeled an unfit parent. The fact is, severe depression is a disability, but it's a disability that can be managed. For me, the most effective way to manage it, perhaps the only way, is with ECT. It was last February when I was hit with this latest bout of severe depression. Now, more than 30 ECTs later, I'm finally feeling like my old self. The depression has lifted, and my energy and concentration have returned. I've started doing some computer consulting work. Angela and I have moved into a new apartment, and we've begun the difficult process of trying to get our children back. Okay, very good so far. I'm never completely out of the woods. It's possible that I'll wake up one day and feel as though I can't go on. Considering the alternatives, ECT's not a difficult choice. And who knows, maybe there will be other choices one day. After all, over the last couple of decades, new medications and better counseling have helped people cope with severe depression in ways that weren't possible even a few years ago. So much has happened in my lifetime. Maybe something other than ECT will be developed that can help me and others like me. But until that day comes, ECT is there when I need it.